Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. I was washing dishes uh, recently, and uh, that's not the end of the story or the only part of the story, but uh, I was washing dishes and was, uh, was playing the Alexa, and uh, my kids were in the room, uh, kind of sitting at the counter behind me, uh, and uh, I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and confess, I, was, I think it was Coldplay, and you can uh, take, judge that however you choose, right? Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I forget, it was, you know, it was a peppy song, and I knew I had their attention. I may or may not have been dancing, right? And, uh, but that was just being ridiculous, uh, I think. <laughs> but one of my kids, uh, she piped in with, with like, full-on uh, earnest sincerity, right? Just, it came from, like, her innocence as a child. She's like, Daddy, you'd be a good hip-hop dancer. Right? Yeah. I'm offended at your laughter, but uh, I see you know the truth about me, right? Like, uh, you're thinking, right, what's I got to do with Isaiah 6? I saw the Lord and angels with wings and burning coals. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a, a good question. No, but but I think uh, I, uh, it, it, I think my my daughter does what Isaiah exposes in all of us, which is we often fail to see things clearly, right? We think we have a sort of good grip on uh, a good perception of uh, what we know to be good and right and true. But but as we'll see, I hope as we step into Isaiah, um, I, this passage does a lot of things. Um, it's, it's this, this is a Sunday in the church when churches all over the world are talking about uh, uh, God as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Really, this sort of what it, this is mysterious sort of aspect of who He is, and trying to perceive and understand uh, what what He is and how He has revealed Himself to us. And and what Isaiah points out to us here, what uh, I hope my daughter perhaps illustrates. Uh, what John's gospel, where we've been since Easter, will pick up, as we'll see in a moment, out of this passage in Isaiah. So there's lots of overlap here. But the thread that I think runs through all of it is that our, our powers of perception are uh, woefully, often woefully inadequate. Uh, we don't have quite as, as clear a grasp of the situation uh, as we think. And Isaiah, I think, illustrates that uh, for you and for me. And, and we'll, we'll see that here. And the way that he does it uh, is, is he pulls us into his journey of seeing things more clearly, right? So we, we see it in the reading here right at the beginning. Uh, he says, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, right? So he gets this vision of what God is like. And in his sort of seeing God more clearly... Uh, we realize, man, we, he, he's sort of, it's an indictment against us, all who will listen to him, that, man, maybe we don't see things quite as clearly as we think. We hear it in the language here. So where he starts is a clear picture of what God is like. High, elevated throne, the hem of his robe, right? So large that really all he can see is like the bottom sort of of his garment, and that alone fills the temple, right? So it's, a, it's communicating like hugeness, like just largeness, right? He's so big, really, that I, I mean, like, I, I, this is really all I can perceive. 
of him. And then we get even more, I, I don't know, right, like uh, mythical or mystical here. Like angels, seraphs stood over him, each one with six wings and their faces covered and, uh, you know, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Um, his majesty filling the entire earth. Verse 4, the sound of their voices shook the frames and the temple was filled with smoke. It's imagery that shows up throughout scripture, but when God shows up, it's this really like, oftentimes, big moment. Smoke, thunder, all of it are parts of it, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, right? You get to the end of the story, it's the same imagery that's used in Revelation, this picture of God showing up. And, and, and Isaiah pulls us into this moment where he sees God a, a little more clearly. And I, I want to suggest to you there's a bit of irony here that um, if, if that's the right word, that, that in, in helping us to see God clearly, God sort of coming close to him, what really sort of strikes us from this passage uh, is that it just breathes distance. There, that, like there's this perceived like God is just huge and big and holy, all these other just huge. And, and Isaiah, even though God is like coming close, it seems in this moment to show himself to Isaiah, like the, the reality is it's just full of distance, right? A distance, a word that I think resonates with us uh, given the last year that we've had, right? He sees God clearly. Oh, maybe this will help. Like Bette Midler, any Bette Midler fans, right? From a distance, should we sing it? No? Every, you guys know the tune, right? From a distance, from a distance. The, no, I'm getting a no. Oh. Right? The world looks blue and green. Any, is this ringing any bells? God is watching us. Don't make me sing it. Right? God is watching us. No? Oh, man, I obviously didn't know my crowd this morning, but uh, Bette Midler, it's a classic. God is watching us from a distance, right? This, and, and we use that language all the time, the man upstairs, the big guy, if we use it at all, right? It's kind of, it, it sort of uh, fills the maybe perimeter space culturally of how we might think of uh, what God is like, how we might perceive him to be, and that shows up here, right? Isaiah sees him, but, but the feeling, the effect is distance, and he's just so big, right? But, but it's, not just, um, it's not just that Isaiah sees God more clearly, right? We see that here, that in, uh, as abstract as it might sound to us, angels and smoke and all of that, right? It's been a minute since that's happened at Park City, but right, as, as abstract as all, all that might seem, uh, it's not just God that he sees more clearly. Uh, we, we discover as we move through this moment that he sees himself more clearly. He perceives his own sort of state much more clearly. In verse 5, if, if you're reading here, he says, right, so this is, he sees God, and then his response to that is, woe to me, I am destroyed. My lips are contaminated by sin. I live among people whose lips are contaminated by sin. Isaiah, in this moment, kind of representative of, of God's people. My eyes, he says, have seen the king. And uh, the result of seeing the king more clearly is that he sees himself more clearly as well, right? This clear picture of what God is like and how big he is. Uh, if, you, if we could use the imagery here, the, the brightness of God almost in this moment seems to like shed light on, uh, on his own sort of state, the condition of his own heart and life in this moment. And the result is, is the same, I think. The effect is the same, distance. So here is a moment where God comes close and Isaiah sees him, like God shows himself in all his greatness. Isaiah sees himself more clearly in his brokenness and the effect, the result is the same. It's, it's distance. Uh, I mentioned that I did a wedding 
yesterday. Uh, Josh and Amanda, some of you guys may know, was a part of our community before we moved away. Uh, it, was, it was just great to celebrate with them. But as weddings do, it prompted, you know, a bit of reflection on, on the relationships in my own life, my own, my own marriage. And uh, Jess was with me, and we were riding home again, uh, just kind of talking about we're going to celebrate uh, 20 years this, this summer. Which I know it's hard to believe because you're like, you're only like 28, man, dude, or you're like eight years old. But um, so we're just kind of talking about it, which is, it's one of the reasons I think those moments are are valuable. Married or not, wherever you are in sort of life, it just, I I think it pulls you into uh, just maybe kind of thinking about life, larger things and moments and stories. And uh, so we were chatting on the ride home and Jess was like, you know, it's always fun being here, just celebrating with people. It's just fun. They're celebrating. It's a joyous moment. Uh, We're having a a great time, right? It's just fun celebrating. And then she said, but you know, man, this part is fun, but man, tomorrow, then you got to live it. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) to which I replied, I think you mean then you get to live it, right? (laughs) Like, right? And she's like, "Mm, yeah, okay. (laughs) Right, take take that, take that how, take that however you want. And, uh, you know, once the sting of it uh, sort of settled, uh, it, I think Isaiah helps me hear the truth of what she says there, right? That there's a bit of both for sure. We certainly get to live it. But the reason sometimes you have to live it is because we're sinners. We're sinners, right? And Isaiah, Isaiah pulls me into that uncomfortable, uh, you know, not really readily apprehended truth about myself that I am a sinner. My heart is inevitably curved inward and nothing will expose that curve and that bend more than having to live with someone else, right? That, that uh, uh, my heart is curved inward and a result of that is distance. Isaiah shows it to us in our faith, right? That the result of that inward curve is a distance in, 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 uh, in, the, in what we feel in relation to God, but we feel its effects in our relationships with others as well. Distance, right? Isaiah says in this moment, I have seen the Lord, right? I've seen what he's like and I've seen myself. I know what I'm like. I know what I'm like uh, that you might not see because we keep some distance, right? <laughs> but I know what I'm really like, uh, and the result is the same we see here, distance all, all, all the way around, which makes, all right, which makes what follows in this vision to me all the more remarkable. All right, so given these truths, this is the revelation. I think the real miracle, uh, it's not the smoke and thunder here, although that's a part of it. It's not even, a lot of times where we go with this story is way at the end. We didn't even read it. I left it off on purpose. But typically Isaiah comes out of this moment and God's like, who will go? He's like, I will go. Here am I, send me. And we like to focus on that part. Like, but the miracle of this passage, I think, is, is uh, <laughs> in what follows in verses 6 and 7, that God is seen for who he is. Isaiah is exposed for who he is. And whatever we think might follow from that, what actually follows from that is verse six. Then one of the angels flew toward me, not away. And in his hand was a hot coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, look, this coal has touched your lips. Your evil is removed. Your sin is forgiven. All right, the miracle of of this vision in seeing God for who he is and himself in all of his brokenness, what happens next is God moves towards him 
God takes the initiative and moves towards him and works forgiveness, works grace, works uh, life over and through and in Isaiah's sinfulness. God takes the initiative. This, I think, is the good news that, that, that uh, I, this moment, right, what we, the way we would expect the story to go, right, is either, okay, right, we see God for who he is, Isaiah for who he is, either God's like, all right, see ya, you know, I, I can do better than you. Uh, or we see God and his holiness just kind of overpowering Isaiah in this moment and he's just destroyed, right? Like, like these don't, you can't go together. Uh, but what we find instead is God moving toward him and working redemption, like working life. And, and I think sometimes this is, this is harder to accept and believe than the narratives that we tend to sort of hold on to about what God is like when we perceive our own brokenness or whatever we may think of him and, and whatever distance we find in that relationship ourselves, sometimes it can be harder to accept what we find as true here in Isaiah than what we typically think. That when God reveals himself in this moment and to you and to me, when he reveals himself, he, he doesn't destroy us, he redeems us. Which brings us, right, which brings us to Jesus. Brings us to where we've been for uh, a couple of months now here at Park City. We've, we've been walking through John's gospel, bits of it. And the moments when Jesus says, this is who I am. I am the bread of life. I am, uh, I am the light of the world, right? I am the shepherd. I'm the gate. I'm the vine. I am resurrection and life. Jesus sort of pulling us into who he is. And I want to suggest to you uh, that what happens in Isaiah I don't have to suggest it to you. John, the writer of the gospel we've been looking at, actually himself explicitly takes this moment in Isaiah and and says, this will help you see and understand Jesus. Right, Jesus, the bread, the light, the life, the way, the shepherd. Jesus in John chapter 12, we're told, is being rejected in spite of all that he's done all the glory in his life that's been seen. He's just worked a miracle in Lazarus's life, right? This in chapter 11, God is moving and working. His, his bigness, if you will, is on display in and through the life of Jesus, his glory. And John tells us people still are like, Ugh, wanting to keep their distance. Folks aren't buying it. And so John, in an effort to understand that move, he picks up this vision in Isaiah chapter 6. He goes to one other place in Isaiah, but you find it in John chapter 12, verse 37. This is what it says, even after Jesus had performed so many miracles in their presence, they still would not believe him. But this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. And he draws from a bit later in Isaiah, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But then he goes on, for this reason, they they wouldn't believe because, as Isaiah says, elsewhere. And that elsewhere is in the passage we read to you this morning. The next couple of verses, right? After Isaiah sees God, sees himself for who he is, and experiences God's gracious intervention. Not his rejection, not his condemnation, but his gracious intervention. Then we read what follows. He has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, so they can either see with their eyes or understand with their hearts or turn. And I would heal them. Isaiah said this, John tells us, because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about it. Right, so there's a lot going on here. Lots of, you know, you know, we could kind of unpack, but here's the connection I, I would like for us to make. I would like for you to consider with me that all that glory Isaiah talked about that Clint read for us, the train of his robe and smoke and all of that filling the temple, John tells us that all of that is in the person of Jesus. 
that all of that is in all that same glory, that, that when you look at Jesus, you're seeing the same thing. And I think, right, the, 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 the three line, the story is the same as it was in Isaiah's time, as it was in Jesus' time. Our response to that is to, at times we're, we're kind of confronted with who we are and we're, we, we tend to want to push back and reject, to create distance, right? To, again, our powers of perception are exposed for what they lack, I think. That all of this glory is there and maybe like the religious leaders of, of Jesus' day, we are like, man, you know, I don't need this. Or I don't like what this says about me. And we, we stiff arm, we push back. All of that glory uh, for Isaiah showing up in Jesus. And we push back. I think the same thing happens, right? Uh, what's interesting to me is the same miracle is at work, right? In Isaiah, God is making the move, right? He's, this is who he is. Isaiah sees his sinfulness, and remarkably, God makes the move toward him. It's the same thing in Jesus, right? He shows up. God's glory is on display. People push away, but Jesus makes the move toward them. If you will, Jesus takes the wheel. No? Ah, it was a stretch, but I thought that might have been better. That's better than Bette Midler. No? All right. Okay. But I think the, 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 the pattern, the story is, is, is um, it's sadly, I suppose, the same as it was for Isaiah and the people of his day, for Jesus and his day, for you and, and for me. We, we think we kind of have a grasp on things. This exposes, well, we, don't, we, we think we know what God is like and we think, you know, maybe we know what, what we're like. But, but when all of that is kind of exposed, our tendency is to pull away and remarkably, remarkably, God closes the gap. Right, God, God moves toward where you're tempted to move away from people that have wronged you or broken or sinned against you. I mean, I, look, you, you, we want to push them away. God remarkably moves, moves toward them. I, I've mentioned a couple of, of weeks running now, and I'm almost done with the book series, so I'll spare you. You know, you'll be spared this moment. But I've been in this series of books by an author named Marilyn Robinson, and, uh, you know, just writing about kind of uh, fictional small town, Iowa, uh, just a cast of characters, kind of the great Dep- right after the Great Depression, and uh, I, I just she's I, I don't know maybe she's just spoken to me and uh, through through her story, and I'm in the last book now, and uh, she's following one character in particular that has been in all the others, but I think we're going to get a bit of his sort of backstory, if you will. And he's a character that uh, is sort of disreputable. In, 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 the, in the moments that we've met him previously, he's disreputable, kind of on the fringes. In fact, he, he's, he's the kind of guy you might be like, you know, if God were to show up with the coals in your life, you'd be like, I don't need those, but that guy, right? <laughs> right? That's, that's kind of the feeling you get from him. And there's a moment in this story, he, he bumps into uh, someone, I think, I'm, not, I'm unsure, uh, with whom he has a relationship, a, a woman. And, he hasn't seen her in a while, and uh, the, the author sets it up like it's it's an odd time of the night, and it's uh, you know uh, just an, an odd place, and, and and he kind of sees her and wants to like be close to her to talk to her, and it, physically it's set up. She's kind of under the light of a street light, and he's sort of in the shadows, right? I gotta feel Isaiah six, all this light, all this darkness, all this shame, all this distance, you know, and and uh, the author pulls us into what this character Jack is feeling, and. Uh, says this, which again has stuck with me, better to keep his distance. Better to keep his distance. He knew he always looked better from a distance. He knew he always looked better from a distance. And I wonder if for many of us, that's the same feeling we bring into faith. 
into how we think about God and what he's like. When we're honest with ourselves, I look a little better from a distance. Maybe God looks a little better from a distance. I'm resisting the urge to break into Bette Midler here, but, uh, right? What, what Jesus does, as God did in this vision, is he sh- when he shows up, right, he, he resists that pull away from you and me, and he steps toward, he steps close. He, he closes that distance be- between, right, and, and it, even with sinners, right, precisely with sinners, with people who are exposed for all of their weakness and shortcoming and sinfulness, brokenness. We think we look better from a distance, and God does as well, and yet Jesus shows up and pulls us in, offers himself as bread to our hungry, hungry hearts, light to our, like, wandering, broken souls, right? Shepherd life. He steps in and, and, and steps toward rather than away. That context, I think, is interesting here. We referenced it at the beginning, that little almost throwaway line, in the year the king Uzziah died, right? He's like, that's great. Get onto the smoke and mirrors, right? Like, let's, let's move on. And like, what, what is this detail? Lots of pages have been written I mean, about the precise sort of intention of this detail. But uh, I do think it's interesting, I think worth noting, right, that this is a moment. That, that, that God shows himself to Isaiah in this way at a particular moment. Uzziah had been a great king for Judah. Right, had, 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 had uh, no king like him, like since Solomon, right? Like, you know, David, Solomon, grandness, all of this, and just a cycle of like bad news and stories and brokenness. And Uzziah shows up and comes along, and, and things had been great. Uh, the, the kingdom had advanced, it had grown, there had been, it was a time of prosperity, and yet, right, we're reminded here that he died. At the end of his life, a bit of backstory, things had gone south, even for him. Had made some mistakes, you know, some debate about, you know, was it arrogance, was it pride? I don't know, but he had made some mistakes and he finished his reign as king sort of in the back rooms with leprosy and under judgment and, and uh, you know, even, even Uzziah, right? Things had been going so well and they went south in the end and you can feel, uh, you can feel the people of his, uh, Isaiah would be writing to, man, well, maybe the next guy, <laughs> maybe the next guy, or things have been going so well and now he's dead, ah, right, what are we going to do, and Assyria's on the horizon getting ready to make life miserable for us, right, All, kind of this moment, they're like, ah, oh, and, and I was reminded of another song that I won't sing for you, but it's come up a couple of times, I think, running or, or somewhere, Bleachers, I think, is uh, uh, the artist, and the, the, the lyric, I don't even know what they're singing about, but it is just sort of like, uh, reverberated uh, with me for, for some days here now. All my heroes get tired. All my, all my heroes get tired. You can feel it in this moment in, Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died. All my heroes get tired, even when that hero is myself. Right? Even when the hero of that story is me. Right? We, we get tired. We, we fall short. There is, there is, there is distance. Mm. We don't tend to see ourselves accurately, whether that's our sinfulness or how we think God may respond or react to it. We, we want to keep our distance. And we say things like, man, I ain't no sinner, right? I don't need God's love. I ain't no sinner, right? Like, what's the big deal? I'm a pretty good guy. Or we say, man, I'm too much of a sinner. How could he possibly love me? Why would he possibly move toward me? And Isaiah shows us in giving us this really big picture of who God is like and what Isaiah is like, and hinting at Jesus, who remarkably, I think the surprise of it is that somehow that, that what we would expect God's glory to look like when it shows up in the flesh, 
would not be what Jesus does, moving toward sinners. And yet, when we see it, we find someone who takes the coals upon himself, makes our woe his own, right, (laughs) remarkably, instead of piling it on you and me, makes our woe his own and moves toward us and not away. Whether it is, again, smoke and fire like Isaiah chapter 6, or the one who would lay down his life for a friend and take away the sins of the world. Regardless, the, 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 the movement is the same. God is the one taking the initiative towards you. Regardless, taking the initiative towards you. And our response is the same. It's the same as Isaiah. It's the same as anyone who would respond to Jesus. It's simply surrender. An admission, an acceptance of this clear picture of what God is like and what we like. So maybe you're here this morning and you've been keeping your distance, right? And maybe that looks different for each of us. Maybe it's an ebb and flow kind of thing, right? Like, you know, you're at a moment in your life where it feels like an ebb. You're just, I think that's the right one. Is that the right one? Well, the ebb would be when the, the tide like recedes. Yes? Okay. Bette Midler, anyone? I don't know. Right? Uh, maybe you're in that kind of moment, right? You are caught up in this story of just keeping your distance for all kinds of reasons. Many of them probably good. Some of them maybe not. God's good word to you, the gospel, right? The gospel as we have heard sung, as we've heard read, as we've heard prayed, that God in his grace moves toward you. He moves toward you. And even in a moment like Isaiah, where it seems like the opposite, he is so big, and I am so small. We're struck with the truth, right? The God whom we don't understand and can't comprehend miraculously and graciously moves towards you. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.